Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to E-Commerce Conversations, a podcast by Practical E-Commerce. What is going on, Internet? Eric Van Holtz back again with another e-commerce conversations. Hope all is going well on the other side of the internet. On the other side of a little table, it's Dennis. You're back. Third time's a charm. Third time, man. You know what's crazy? I've had guests that have come on this show multiple times, but never with three different businesses. I don't know if I should be proud or embarrassed, but we're here anyway. Yeah, I would be proud. So last time you were on, it was order bump. Yep. Walk me through what happened there. I want to take credit, but it was more of a fluke. So the honest scenario was that I had bought the app from a friend and someone that I admire, and they had built the app for about a year, but the agency that owned it wasn't prioritizing the app as their main thing because they run an agency that's successful. And so I bought the app from them, spent a couple months on it, and within two months of buying it, someone came to me and said, Hey, would you sell this to me for let's call it 500% more than what you paid? And I'm like, yeah, but I thought it was kind of like they're blowing smoke. And so I kept building the business with the intent that they were just full of it. And they came to me during the holidays. So nothing happened. Uh, I got an LOI signed it, which was kind of dumb on my part. They kind of locked me into this like period of like diligence slash rediscovery around the business, which was a smart move on their behalf. And I was just eager to like, see if they were full of shit or not. So I didn't, my lawyer also missed it and I had to complain a little bit, but anyway, it was, it ended up being a, a real deal. And after talking to them, I'm like, well, not only is this a real deal, but the founders are really impressive. And the company app hub that bought order bump from me, I just really liked the guys and, and the, the team involved. And when I knew like who had financed them and the people behind it and the other apps that they had bought, I was just like, yeah, this is, this is great. And then, you know, call it from the day I bought order bump to the day I signed selling it was about a hundred days. Yeah. And then I had to stay for another 90 days after. And that brought us up to the summer of 2022. And then, and then we started, uh, started, started, started something new. That's crazy. You know, uh, I was doing my due diligence before this call and I was checking out order bump and the link to like the owner is still the agency. Where? On order bump. On the it, website it, or yeah. on the Shopify listing? On the website. Huh. So, uh, yeah. Someone, we, we, yeah. We, we might send that tip to yeah. get some, um, SEO juice, man. Yeah, get that link. going to fix that. But, uh, what are you up to now? Uh, trying to take over the internet day yep. by day. Yeah. But, uh, another Shopify app, number three, it's called Vigilance. It's coupon code leak related and attribution related. So we can tell you where your codes leak, how much money has happened since the leak, where it leaked to Honey, Retail Me Not, Raputon, Piggy or whatever. There's a few other ones, Capital One Shopping. Uh, and then we can block those from injecting the codes at your checkout if you want to. We can also kill off codes when they leak and a certain amount of revenue is leaked so that you don't have to like be checking it every time. If a leak happens, we'll just block a code after a certain amount of value and has leaked. 
And then we'll also just tell you if you don't want to block codes from being injected, like say you do a lot of influencer marketing or affiliate marketing, you might want to know if an affiliate has a hundred orders in a month and you're paying them some kind of rev share or commission on their orders. Did a hundred orders come from their TikTok or YouTube or Twitter or, or Snapchat? Or was it actually like 90 came from their code leaking to honey and they only got 10 sales? Because if you they only got 10 sales, but you're paying them for a hundred, then there's a lot of revenue being lost. And even though some brands say like, ah, we don't care. We got the sales anyway. I think you would care if you know yeah. that you could justify why you shouldn't be overpaying. So that's what we're solved. That's what we solve for. Yeah, I think that's a pretty interesting solution. Like for our instance, we use coupon codes more for the data perspective. We're not paying uh, commissions based on the code use. We use like different checking software for that, but it's also muddying up your data. You know, like if they're coming from retail me not. Yeah, it's just as valuable to know, not even, I mean, it's more valuable to know if you're paying for, for people's promotion and distribution, but it's also worth just knowing like, oh, okay, these codes are actually not really being shared organically. They're just all ending up on coupon sites. And so we don't have the reach that we thought with these codes or these codes shouldn't be distributed as much because they're not really doing what we thought they should be doing. Yeah. But you don't know until you have access to that data. And I think we're, you know, one of the first providers of that kind of checkout injection data. So how does the, I guess I don't use Honey. I'm not one of these coupons. So like Honey is this app that you put into your browser that will just automatically find a coupon that they know works. Yeah, while you're at checkout. While you're at checkout. Yeah. And there's a few. It's a browser extension for Chrome. But PayPal acquired them. And now on the mobile device, if you have the PayPal app installed on your phone, they have a default Honey injection thing when you're checking out with PayPal. They're, They're making a huge move into like mobile because generally Honey, since it's a browser extension, is just desktop. And so much traffic is not desktop that like 85% or whatever, 80% of your traffic is mobile. And so 20% of your desktop traffic having injections is a smaller, it's still a big problem, especially for large brands. But if you had injections on mobile, then it would be a a massive issue, right? Mm -hmm. And right now, luckily, it's not as big of an issue on mobile yet, but Honey and PayPal are trying to make that a bigger issue. How How does Honey make money? They sign up their codes we call them the coupon mafia, but I know I'm not supposed to say that, right. uh, but uh, they're like the coupon mafia, whatever that would be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, they make money from basically strong arming merchants. So they'll go to a merchant and say, hey, here are all your codes that are leaking all the time and they're affiliate codes and you're there through share a sale or these various sites that you automate paying commissions and they'll even go register their own codes and then you're paying honey for driving you these sales and then they come to you and say, hey, we're making 15% off your lead codes and you're paying them to our share of sale account and we'll stop leaking all the codes over a certain value if you pay us to go away. Yeah, so they're like Yelp of reviews. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. And so we can offer the same thing because we have the same intelligence that they do. They can tell you which codes had and which orders had injections and they'll basically, they don't share that data with you, but they'll just say, hey, we won't allow codes to leak over 5% because you're paying us not to. But if you don't pay us, we'll leak every code and we'll even take a cut from share sale and we'll just basically spam you and do whatever we need to do. And yeah. so, yeah, it's kind of scary. Those kind of business models really annoy me. Like they're, they're like, <laughs> they're like a spam network that just got so big that they're worth like billions of dollars. Yeah. I can see why PayPal would want them. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I get like, um, you know, uh, from a consumer perspective, it's great. Yeah, it's great. And it's kind of frustrating that 
you were going to buy something, someone else was going to get the, you know, for a lower price. But I think that as long as the brands have control, because I agree, like as a consumer, I want honey as a brand. I don't want honey to have my codes, but I definitely don't want them to have codes that they shouldn't have. That's a problem, right? So it's more also about just knowing and controlling that. If you can say, I don't want code, like if you have a free code for employees or family members, that's 50, 60% off. And then when they buy that with shipping, you're actually losing a little bit or you're making $0 and that code leaks. And then over Black Friday, you have like 6,000 orders and they're all actually like, you make $0. You have to go refund them, explain to them what happened, blah, blah, blah. It like damages your brand and it costs you money and time to fix that problem. So I think generally, if you could control all those things and just not allow that to happen from day one, we're trying to be like an insurance policy against those scenarios because it's only expensive until the problem's already happened. And then you're like, shit, I wish I had a tool that could have protected me from that. And it's like, well, <laughs> don't wait until it's too late. Yeah, so like how will... Uh... I, I guess you're not going to be able to like totally stop all coupon leaks, right? Because we, if, we can't stop leaks, but we can stop codes from being injected at the checkout. Right. If a brand wants that, some brands don't, some brands might say, well, we don't want the codes to be, well, we don't mind if the codes are injected because we want the sales anyway. And we're only paying a 10% commission max on all codes that are issued. So at the end of the day, we're only giving up a potentially 10% extra margin that we're willing to give. Yeah. But they're, hasn't really been a solution in the past that's like, well, what if we can actually give you the right data on that so that you don't have to give up that 10%? There are scenarios where brands are seeing one kid with 100 views on TikTok have a discount code, but they've done 100,000 in revenue in a month because their code leaked to Honey, and the brand's like, well, this got 100 views, so there's no way it got 100,000 in revenue, but it did because it leaked, and then this kid you know, writes a viral thread on Twitter about how this brand stole money from him because he or she generated a hundred thousand dollars in affiliate commission. But like that was not the case. So I think there is, you know, the brands definitely want to protect that sort of image and that scenario, but it's hard whenever you want the sales to. So you have, and and when there was no optionality to like meet in the middle, that's, I think where we are trying to stand. So I guess the question I would have is like from a consumer perspective, if I, you have honey, and it's installed and the the coupons automatically go in there. Yep. I would assume that if there is nothing in there, then there wouldn't be like a honey coupon code. Would yeah, that so be correct? Some brands, like let's just say you go to Louis Vuitton.com. Mm-hmm. Louis Vuitton doesn't do discounts. They've never had a discount code before. So if you go to the website with honey installed, it'll just say there's no deals found for this merchant. Yeah. If you go to Fashion Nova, there'll be like 12 codes. And it'll range from all the same percentage because Fashion Nova just does deep discounting anyway. They're like 40% off for everybody, right? So there's this like, you'll get 10 or 12 codes that Honey tries that are all 40% off. And then it'll say, we found the best deal for you and it's 40% off when it just went through 12 codes that are all 40% off. So sometimes it's cycling through all those codes actually adds delayed time. And so the checkout rate, the abandonment rate at checkout actually goes down when you block Honey. Yeah. So more people check out when they don't have to wait and cycle through the honey attempting to try a bunch of codes. So some brands, though, that don't have codes will just say, hey, there's no codes found for this merchant. And so whenever you use Vigilance, if you choose to block extensions, that's what it'll say at checkout. So this this brand has no available codes. So it's almost like preventing consumers from also being tempted to go off your website and find coupon codes, too. But we think, and this is something that we track, we call them checkout events, but specifically around the discount, but we can tell a brand, 
this order had an injected coupon from an extension and which extension did the injection. We can also tell you this order had a copy and pasted coupon code, mm-hmm. which means one of two things, either copy and pasted it from a social media post or they went and copy and pasted it off a coupon directory. Like if I Googled beardbrand.com discount code and I got a code and I went to the checkout and I copied and pasted that in, we think that you are, or I would be a higher intent customer than someone who just allowed Honey to passively try a discount code because that doesn't mean I had I had no intent to go search or do any extra effort, right? right? And so, and then the final one is that we can tell you if just a human typed the code in, yeah. which typing it in would insinuate that they had been reminded of it from looking at a post or they're opening a social media post, reading it and typing it because it's something simple like beard 15 or whatever right. the case may be. So we can give you those specific events so that you can determine which ones are injected, copied and pasted and typed. But yes, the thought is that like generally you have a faster time to getting to checkout because you're not cycling through a bunch of codes, which actually means that your conversion rate will go up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I've always hated coupon codes personally, like just they're, just, they're tried and true, but yeah. Well, like it's kind of like a love it and hate it kind right. of relationship. Like I love like what Louis Vuitton does and no coupon codes. And then eventually your, your customer learns that, Hey, yeah. I'm not even going to mess with it. This is the price I'm going to go with it. But at the same time, like if you'd need to, drive customers and customer acquisition. We're not all Louis Vuitton, right? You know? Like we don't all have that same brand awareness that they are a vital tool. I think, you know, one of the workarounds is just like one-time code uses, right? Those are the best. They're just usually ugly. They're super ugly. They're super ugly. And those are all copied and paste. There's no way someone's typing in that yeah. random uh, stuff. And then if it gets leaked, I know it's, it's funny because like I've investigated this before so these coupon sites like honey or whatever will join our email newsletter and uh that's how they're getting the coupon code oh, that's actually a new app that just came out that's doing that i think it's called like handwritten or handwrite or story write or something there are a new one yeah. that signs up so honey actually doesn't get codes from emails honey gets codes because they key log everything that you type in the browser so everybody that uses a code oh. at checkout honey's logging that and then sharing it with their network so if you're an employee and you have Honey installed because you shop with Honey and you just used a code, you just gave Honey a code. So mm-hmm. everyone's basically sharing as a network and they've got, you know, 50 million people with the extension. Right. So virtually any code that gets typed is going to get on Honey. Are they able to distinguish if it's a one-time use or do they? That, I, that they don't because... I imagine they might have some filtering that's like based on the structure of this code. We generally see that this is a one-time use code. I don't know enough about how they would organize that, but I know that they don't have access to your Shopify data, right? So they don't know what your settings are on the back end. But I could imagine that they use some kind of test, a bot that tests a checkout, types the code in, applies it, sees if it's valid or not. And if it's not valid, then they might not publish it to Honey, but I don't know enough about their... Yeah, because that would be interesting. Like if I have a thousand customers using Honey all with different codes and then they've got to cycle through a thousand codes i would imagine like you yeah, said they're just they're, like i imagine they have smarter logic to not allow uh, one-time use codes up there but maybe not yeah. who knows i use honey for research purposes and because if it works i, I won't say no to a discount <laughs> <laughs> i just don't want people tracking my browser stuff bro it's was... a spam network it's insane that's crazy. So like you view the the business as like an insurance policy and a data policy how are your customers currently using it? Basically the ways I just I just outlined, right? Like right now, I think for that, the merchants that are currently using it, they're asking for things like, oh, instead of, because you can tell what the 
accurate injection versus organic discount applied at checkout is for and the order records we tag all of them we cluster them into groups we can essentially clean up the data if we were to have integrations with people like affiliate apps and influencer apps so instead of a kid getting upset and seeing or i say a kid an influencer affiliate whoever and they see a hundred thousand in revenue because they thought they got all these orders but they really purposely went and like were like sharing it all over the internet because they wanted it to be leaked well we could update that data in not real time but let's say like every couple hours or less so that if they went back they wouldn't see that they had a hundred thousand orders they'd actually see the cleaned up number that we pass off and share this data with these apps so that they don't have to go through this like explaining process between you and a affiliate who was like maybe intentionally or unintentionally committing fraud on their codes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that saves you some time and brand, you know, reputation, if you will. And at scale, it matters, but, but yeah, <laughs> what a oh, triple whale. Sorry. I had a brain fart for yeah, a second. Yeah. So I think also like, we don't care. I don't care if people are logging into vigilance and checking the data every day, because you're probably living inside of one of your marketing attribution tools, whether it's, you know, I don't know whether it's Rockerbox or triple whale or North beam, or you made your own, you might want data in that sort of dashboard KPI dashboard. And for some brands, like knowing those various three checkout event data points is something that is important. And so we are now going through the process of like, how do we talk to all those apps plus anybody else who wants the data so that we can say, Hey, like utilize checkout injection data in triple whale, North beam and rocker box and whoever else wants it, because we want to be a data provider to the ecosystem, not someone that's like, come to our app. We're like, no, we actually want to enrich these other apps because you spend more time there. And they're more like, quite frankly, they're more, I don't want to say more valuable, but like they feed into the problem that we're trying to serve. So without them, we're not really as, as you know, necessary, I think. Yeah. You're like a level up. And we're like a little downstream from them. Right. Yeah. I mean like a level up, like an add on, like a, yeah, exactly. We're an enhancement or a plugin for them. Yeah. Let's talk about building the business and kind of like how, you're building this business differently. So order bump, you purchased, flipped, live recover. You built that from the ground up, didn't you? Yeah, my co-founder and and myself, he did all the engineering work, but like, you know, there's obviously a lot of product decisions and conversations that we made collectively and things that I had insight to from doing e-commerce for my whole life, plus working in the space. But yeah, live recover, we bootstrapped and then sold and then order bump, I bought on my own and then got lucky and sold. I hate the word flipped. Everyone talks like, man, you're flipping apps like houses. I'm like, dude, I spent three years, like 80 hours a week, Christmas day, New Year's, Thanksgiving, you name it. I was working from sunup to sundown. So I, I don't like saying flipped, okay. but yeah, but, but I, I will not correcting you. I'm just like, man, uh, I wish I was flipping businesses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think flips a fair, like, you know, the, the, the baggage that comes along with it, there's like you know, like suboptimal work, right? Where you just kind of give the veneer of improvement and then there's like legit, you're making the, the yeah, thing yeah. a better yeah. a better business and then you're selling it to someone who can take it further. So you're building this from the ground up. The first one's bootstrap. The first one's purchased and sold. This one you're taking on some money for? or We took on a little bit of money. We raised like a very small amount, like 250K just from some of the, you know, operators in the, Shopify and DTC ecosystem. And the goal is that uh, we're not expecting anybody that invested to do any work for us, right? They invested, they're not like actively advising and doing work for us. But the thought is that like, maybe if you have some good people behind you, that it's not really the money that matters as much, but like those people and to have them, you know, put their money where their mouth is and 
a lot of people who I don't want to say this sound like arrogant or anything, but because of the last two wins, I've had friends say, dude, why didn't you tell me about order bump? I would have put in money with you. And I'm like, I didn't need your money. Yeah. And I bought it on my own. I didn't finance it. I didn't take out a loan. And that's not to like flex. It's just that like the number was small enough that like given my sale for live recovery, I had the the funds to do it. And so with this app, people are like, dude, I'd, I'd love to give you money since you're, it's the third thing. And I'm like, man, I've never, I remember working on software stuff when I was 21, moving to LA with some big dreams and spent a year and a half trying to raise like a hundred K and I got like 20. Right. And now I'm like, holy shit. I have friends who will blindly send me hundreds of thousands of dollars based on past success. I would be a little foolish if I wasn't willing to ride my momentum and my own sort of trust that I'm going to do well again. Cause I Again, it wasn't about the money, but we right. didn't want to give away free equity. So we found a low enough valuation that made sense for everybody involved that given the past wins, that if we hit our goals with this business, that we should have a significant outcome, whether or not we have an acquisition, there will be capital that returns to all investors. And so they're not like expecting us to go sell for a hundred million dollars. But if we hit our goals, like, let's just say like $50 million would be a pretty easy outcome. And that's, you know, if they invested it, let's just say it's like five million dollar valuation or something like everyone that put in money is fine with a 10x yeah but if we raise vc and go after some crazy you know raise millions of dollars like i don't think i don't know how big the idea is for that right we'd have to expand products and then it becomes like you know maybe you're doing things for the wrong reason not because you believe in where you're going it's just because you're kind of like stuck on this train and you can't get off yeah and we can always go raise money in the future you can't undo it so how uh you know like it's funny that you, you kind of talk about this because I've got um, other investments that I've done where it's like, this seems too good to be true. Like, why would this founder who has all the means, why would they need investment? It's kind of like you, like you guys don't need the money, but it's like to a certain degree, it's fun to share the wins with your friends. Like at a certain point, like you've done it all, right? You've built your wealth, you've got your house, you've got your car. You know, it's like, let's do something with the community, uh, something we can all enjoy and celebrate those wins as peers. I, I, yeah. I don't know. It's no, just kind it, of like it, weird it's, how it's parts. It's partially that. But I also want to give credit to the people who put money in because all of them are are badass. And so, like, you know, every single one of them I look up to in one or many ways. Right. And so I think that while, again, I don't expect them to do anything as investors, we're still going to put out like now that we're starting our first month of business, we're going to start to have some metrics to, you know, give a monthly or quarterly report to our investors just to give an update. And like, of course, we're going to have asks, right? I mean, hey, here's where we're at. Here's where we're trying to get. And if you can help in these ways, whether it's a hire or an intro to a merchant or an agency partnership or an integration with an app founder, whatever, we're definitely going to ask for those, but we're not going to expect you to do anything, right? right? It's not like, oh man, I thought you were going to invest and give me all these customers for us. It's like, no, I mean, you, you gave me your money because- that's what you were doing, right? Yeah. And my goal is to return money to you and do a good job for our merchants. But it is fun that you're sharing it with your friends, but it's also more pressure, right? right. Like I don't want to lose my friend's money. Yeah. I would rather, and I don't want to lose anybody's money, but I would rather lose a fund's money because they lose money all the time and take risks and they end up usually netting out in the end as a positive you know, gain. But like if I lose my buddy's five or 10 or 15 grand, like going to eat at me for a lot longer than if i'm like oh i'm sorry i lost joe schmo in boston's million dollars right, right. or whatever and so yeah it's, it's fun but it's also a little bit more pressure yeah double-edged sword there yeah. too talk about like kind of the strategy in terms of growing it because i think you said earlier that before we hit record that you're trying to bring on salespeople 
You're going to be cold emailing. Yeah. So yeah, we'll watch out. I'm about to be emailing you at least three times. Well, at the most three times. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, SMS, which was live recover and upselling, which was order bump are two categories that are undeniable for every stage of a e-commerce store. It doesn't matter if you're brand new or if you're hundred million dollar your business, you need all the, you need those SMS and upselling just like email or just like customer service ticketing or whatever returns apps, but leak code leaks are not for everybody. We also only serve Shopify plus. So and that's not because we don't want to not serve regular Shopify. It's just that Shopify has a feature constraint where you can't access checkout scripts without being on Shopify plus. But to be fair, most stores that are not on Shopify Plus generally don't have code leak issues because their brands are not at the scale where Honey's thinks right. it's valuable to pick up their codes yet. So it's definitely not. I mean, let's just say that Shopify's got twenty-two thousand plus merchants, and overall, though they got two million merchants, we can only go after such a fraction of the people. So I think running ads is probably not going to be as successful. So it's almost going to be all partnerships with apps, integrations, and direct sales. Yeah. Which is new for me. Yeah. How did you come up with the pricing? Um, I mean, we've looked at what it costs when a leak happens and also benchmarking against actual injection data. So we can see, like, let's say our base plan, if you have up to 5,000 orders, I think we're like 199 a month. And if you're at 5,000 orders and you have a $40 AOV, that means you're doing 200K a month, which means you're doing 2.5 million a year, which puts you at the very, very bottom of Shopify Plus. Most merchants are going to be either at a much higher AOV to double or triple that number, or they're going to be doing like 10,000 plus orders a month. And that's on the low end. And so for us, if you're doing that amount of volume, let's say it's 10,000 orders a month on average, and we're three, 350 bucks at that point, we're saving you anywhere from two to three grand on just pure injection blocking alone. And then if you're allowing injections and doing influencer and affiliate marketing very heavily, we're probably saving you tens of thousands a month, right? Because one code leak that you're overpaying by 90 or 900%, right? If it's a thousand orders and they only drove a hundred and you're paying for 900 orders times five bucks, right? Like you just wasted a ton of money. And if that's across a few, few affiliates or influencers that adds up really quick. Same thing with gifting product. It doesn't matter how you measure the payment, right? And so, yeah, I think that we've had a merchant that is signing up who has 75,000 orders a month, mm-hmm. and we didn't know what to price it because we didn't have any plan that went up to that high. We only went up to 30,000 orders, and I told them a certain amount, like a you know 1,000 bucks a month, unlimited. And they were like, oh, he he said I would have paid three. <laughs> and <you're> like, <laughs> I'm like, shit. Just kidding. I was like, shit, well, okay. But he's like, dude, these leads, codes leaks cost us six figures a month. Yeah. Like 3K is peanuts. And I was like, well, you heard me say a thousand. So. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what it is. I mean, I think to a certain degree, you know, like. It, we want to be a no brainer though. We don't yeah, want yeah. people to be like, ah, I paid 200 or save me 400. Like, yeah, it's still savings, but you know. Right. There's just goodwill of being like having an app that is so unbelievably valuable that it's a no, like you said, a no brainer. There's no drama. You're like, no, nah, I'm not ever going to cut it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to shop it around. But then you get into like other apps. I don't want to name names because I've <laughs> certainly been a customer of them. And you're like, what am I really getting here? Like, is it that much better than the, you know, $15 an app that has, you know, significantly less features, but the, it has the core components. And, uh, I mean, obviously as an e-commerce merchant, 
lower is preferred. <laughs> yeah, I think also it comes to like size of the business and the like how big did the business get because the business is really big and I don't mean big in terms of revenue but like team size, they have to keep the prices high and they're generally going to increase prices. It's not that we're we're not going to lower our prices like most of the time prices don't get cheaper, they get more expensive as you get bigger with everything. Granted, if you prepay and you do things till you can do things to lower costs by like, you know, paying for an annual plan ahead of time. We had some merchants say, hey, it's the end of 2022 and we know we're going to use vigilance for all of 2023. Can we prepay and what's the discount? And we're like, yeah, you get two months for free. And they're like, oh, 17% off, no brainer. And we would lower our taxes this year. And I'm like, oh, big brands are thinking, not big brands, but smarter people and smarter brands are thinking about these things because that's a smart thing to do, right? And so we're, I don't know. I think uh, we definitely want to, stay lean where like, you know, you're not paying for a bunch of bloat. We're not going to give you, you know, $200 to get on a phone call with us, or we're not going to send you AirPods or do anything like that. But like, you know, it's going to be a little bit more, not to say authentic, because like other businesses with a thousand employees or 500 employees are authentic too. But like, I don't think you need a thousand employees to build a Shopify app. I think building a great business, like out of those thousand five hundred employees, thousand employees, it's like, 80% 80% sales, you know? Yeah. And I think for us, because our market's smaller, we'll be uh, able to stay at a price point for our merchants that's hopefully flexible for them. But we'll see. Well, uh, you know, like I've I've been critical of cold emailers. I know it's uh, it, it's still like a great way to reach out to people, but if you have any opportunity to continue doing what you do, which is like engaging with creators on Twitter, I mm-hmm. feel like that is far more useful part of useful time to be able to develop those relationships and really like break down that wall and that barrier. Cause I feel like the cold email is this like automatic, like negotiation, like them versus us, not collaborative kind of environment. Cause it's just, it's such a hostile category. Like, can you build a, a sales force? That's just like, I mean, getting on Twitter and, and, uh, you know, like doing podcasts like this and, you know, going to shows and e-commerce fuel and things like that and just meeting. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's just slower. It's slow. It costs a lot. It's slow. And it's, it's, you'd be, I mean, I guess I don't know from firsthand experience, but like just a little bit of a taste, but like a lot of the stuff going on on Twitter is fun and it's cool, but like most people are trying to become more popular so they can sell you something. And they don't care as much about what you're doing, right? And that's fine because that's like how most people are. It's not like anything bad about anything else, anybody else. I'm the same way. I get a lot of DMs every day trying to sell me on animated videos or this kind of solution for my app or this, this, and this. And it's like, shit, I'm doing the same thing, yeah. you know? But I, but I want to, I don't know. I think cold email is, there's more merchants that are not on Twitter than there is on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And the most successful brands and founders are like, so busy in the weeds that they're not on social media as actively. They might still have an account, but they're like not tweeting for years at a time. And they're just checking it every couple months or weeks right. and just like reading a DM and responding. But uh, we want to get to those people like where their business matters. There's people who are reading and posting on Twitter and making funny jokes and giving out good information and, and sharing their wins and content and, and collaborating. And that's awesome. But I think real business doesn't get done on Twitter in the same way that it does like just through advertising and sales. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, Clavio and maybe Clavio is a bad example, but like there's a reason attentive, you know, is the biggest company in the e-commerce space next to Clavio, if not bigger is because they had so many people doing sales and they yeah. just like, you couldn't not get an email from them. Right. And I think 
like I haven't had one person on Twitter ever DM me about attentive. Well, you know, it's funny. Like I heard and they're not even on Twitter, really. Like, I mean, they have employees on there, but they're not like there's no one active from that company. But the Postscript founders are. Well, I only know of attentive because I met someone at a conference. Like maybe they emailed me. I don't know. Like if they emailed me, it just got ignored. And then uh, like the PostScript guys, same thing. I met them at a conference. Mm. So um, it's not to say salespeople. Uh, you got to have salespeople, and you got to build those relationships. It's Sounds like, like we need to hire somebody who wants to go to a lot of conferences. Because I, I mean, don't. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, because or for me personally, because it just it like so breaks down that barrier. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, in person is best, right? Like yeah. I think, and not to like toot my own horn, but I think I can sell like that I care about what I'm doing in person much better than anywhere else. Yeah. And I think I know what I'm talking about. And maybe that doesn't get conveyed as much through, you know, toneless words on Twitter where it's just like more transactional and promotional. And I might just be like, Hey, look at my stuff. Hey, look at my stuff. Hey, look at my stuff where it's like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah, you're obviously promoting your business, but if you talk to someone and they're like compassionate about what actual problems you have and they really deeply understand. And you can tell when you have that conversation, you have a good rapport with them they like you, they think that you have good intentions for them, mm-hmm. then it's like, you want to do business with someone like that, right? Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, this is more like kind of massage what you were just saying. And I agree. It's just that like, those have to be very curated experiences. And like, I don't know. It just takes time, right? It takes like, time. It, yeah. so there's you have to do all of it at the same yeah. time, right? And, and back to being a small lean team, we're going to throw spaghetti before we throw darts. Yeah. So I think at the beginning, it's like, how do we cast a wide net? And then after that, how do we get down to a little bit more uh, yeah. dialed in approaches? Because I do have to give props to the Triple Well team and uh, Raba. It's just like they put on events all the time. They bring creators together or uh, not creators, e-commerce. I'm just, I, I, they do a good job of that. I see it all the time in Austin. I'm like, man, they throw an event in Austin like every month. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is for me, but like I'm just against paying to go to events. Yeah, like I don't like it. Shopify, Unite. I'm like, well, I'm not, not going to pay three hundred dollars to go talk to all the same people that I talk to on Twitter. Well, I'm not same, paying for events. I just, <laughs> well, I don't know. I saw the Triple was doing an event. and It was like five hundred bucks. I'm oh, like, really? Yeah, Shopify, Unite was three hundred. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to pay five hundred to go to the event. But I engage with them on Twitter, and that's yeah. why. So I'm like, maybe I'm missing some of the secret sauce. But you're right that like the in person sort of intimate setting is better. I just in those settings, everyone's also kind of like. It's like speed dating. Everyone's yeah. just talking about themselves and they're like their highlights for like two or three minutes, which is cool because then you can like kind of temperature check people to see if they're worth talking about more. Cause if like, you're not on Shopify plus, sorry, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. You're only doing a million a year. Sorry. Too small. Like it's, I don't know. It's almost like you can hide behind the screen and go fast. Yeah. <laughs> and like, granted, like I'm going to take responsibility if someone doesn't like my cold email, like send me uh, send me shit tell me how it could be better <laughs> well yeah you gotta offend some people but you know, in person crack some eggs and make an omelet exactly yeah there you go where uh where can people uh follow you learn more about what you're building twitter i think is the only place that i use social media really at dennis hegstad h-e-g-s-t-a-d yeah it. and then vigilance either in the shopify app store or vigilance.io vigilance.io all right, Dennis. Well, uh, you know, hopefully next time you're on the show, you still got vigilance going and it's yeah. doing that 50 million a year or hopefully whatever. You don't get, oh, we're just trying to get to like 5 million a year. In revenue. Okay. Well, that's still pretty. Uh, and then uh, let me know if you get one of my cold emails. Don't be mad. Yeah. Call, call me out. <laughs> I'll do it through DMs. No, no, publicly, please. I love <laughs> okay. you better. All right, guys, this has been another e-commerce conversations. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Hope you learned a nugget or two. Cheers. Oh, and keep on growing.